0: Back when I was in California, I taught a class of 34 men in Soledad Prison. Uh, It was a leadership class, and we met every Wednesday for three hours uh, for four years. On one occasion, as the guys were released from their cell blocks and began to file into the classroom, one of the students made a beeline toward me named uh, Tony, and he had this distressed look on his face and I braced myself for bad news. He said, I don't know what happened, but I was approved for early release, but the parole board changed their mind at the last minute, and now I'm not going to be getting out this year like they told me I was. And so I prayed with Tony right then and there and encouraged him not to go off the deep end, but to wait and see what the Lord would do for him. Honestly, I was very sad for him because he had been in prison for 25 years And he had reformed his life. He was attending leadership classes. He was attending Bible classes. Uh, He's the kind of guy that I would have put to work in the church as soon as he got out of prison. And yet there seemed to be an insurmountable object that had plopped itself down right in front of that exit gate to the prison. 25 years is nothing compared to the 400 years that the people of Israel had been held in captivity in Egypt. In Numbers chapter 13 here, they have finally arrived at the entrance place of the promised land. Their exit from a life of shame and bondage was behind them. As a somewhat preliminary formality, they are told by the Lord to send scouts into the land to see how it looks. Well, how is it going to look? It's going to look easy, (laughs) I mean, the Lord wouldn't bring them all this way to place an insurmountable obstacle in their way, would he? But as the spies returned from their 40-day, 500-mile sneak peek, their faces looked like my friend Tony's. Sure, the land looked amazing. Absolutely, there was plenty to eat, flowing with milk and honey abundantly. The only problem was that the descendants of the Nephilim were there, the sons of Anak made them look like grasshoppers in comparison. In other words, there were giants in the land. Many times when we hear the phrase promised land, we think of heaven. And that's where we will finally get all the promises fulfilled for us. But I would like to submit to you this morning that the promised land does not re- represent heaven to us ultimately. It represents that area that God has promised to lead us into and to give into our hands. It's a place of great fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. It could be as simple as a new business or a mission trip that you've been thinking of going on or perhaps a Bible study that you've wanted to start with your neighbors or maybe even a new relationship Whatever it is for us in the modern era, we too can find, after scouting it out, that there are some major obstacles in our way. There are some giants in the land. And this morning I would like to look at what I believe are the three biggest giants keeping us from those areas that God wants us to go on up and occupy. The first of those areas is busyness, and it's a big one. Brian Amble, writing for Management Issues, called attention to the fact that busyness has become a status symbol for the modern man. We used to ask people what they were doing, and the most common response was, well, I'm doing fine. How are you? Now the most common response is, man, my life is crazy busy. (laughs) And how about you? (laughs) Well, my life is busy too, and I can't believe I'm even standing here telling you about this because I'm so busy. And some of the reasons that have been cited for this extreme busyness trend are that we want to appear successful. In fact, we want to appear more successful than we really are. And also, busyness gives people the perception that we are in high demand. It says, I'm so good at what I do, people are lined up for my services and my time. But the reason that being busy can be such a giant is because it can actually keep you from the things that God wants you to do. You've filled your life up with so much stuff that you don't actually have time for that thing that God wants you to do, that he's calling you to do. An opportunity arises for you to make an impact for God in a particular area, but then you check your calendar and it's full. Being too busy also goes against scripture. Jesus was continually calling his disciples to come away for times of refreshment. Not doing anything, but just sitting and listening to the Lord. And this is probably the most surprising aspect of Jesus' ministry, because he only was there for three years. You'd think, three years, I can't even sleep. I've got to get this word out. I've got to do all these things. And yet Jesus was setting an example for his disciples and for us that we need time away. We need to not be so busy that we can't focus on the things that the Lord has in front of us. And so today's motto has become, be still and be seen as insignificant. Whereas in Psalm 4610, God is telling us to be still and know that he is God. And so what's the giant killer in this particular area? Well, the giant killer is the Sabbath rest that God established at creation. Consider the words of Hebrews 4, 6 through 10, which are actually directly linked to our text. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David a long time ago, in words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And so the reason that people uh, disobeyed and did not enter into the promised land back then is that they were thinking uh, that clearing out those giants was dependent upon their own level of activity. They looked at the giants, and they looked at themselves. We seem as grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do this. And God said then and continues to say now, don't whip yourself up into a frenzy of busyness and try to impress me and everyone else. Rest in me, and I will accomplish it through you. And we teach our children these things all the time by the busyness that we heap on them. It's amazing how busy kids are today, how much we have filled up their lives. I don't know if you remember when you were a child, but I was so bored. <laughs> you know, My mom, if ever I told her I was bored, I never told her actually because she said, all right, I've got a job for you to do. And she would kick us out regularly, go out and find something to do. And so that caused us to be creative, those times of rest, to think about things and to be able to envision and dream. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take a time of rest, to listen to him and to think about what he has for us and what's in place. But if we're so busy running all over the place, we don't have any time to give to the Lord and think about those dreams that he wants to place in our hearts. And so this brings us to our next giant, the awkward cousin of busyness, laziness. This giant is the exact exact opposite of the last giant. It blocks our entrance into going on up to occupy that which God is giving us by telling us we are not required to do anything. And the devil loves extremes. If he can't take you out with a giant of busyness, he's going to whisper, relax. Don't get so excited. This isn't your thing. You might make a fool of yourself and become a laughingstock to everyone. Someone else will take care of it while you wait for the perfect thing to come along. And by perfect thing, we mean something that's easy and doesn't take a whole lot of effort on our part. I wonder what the spies were expecting as they went on into Canaan. Were they expecting that God would send a plague ahead of them, or bees, or locusts, or something, and drive everyone out and clear the entire land for them? Did they think they were going to face the Munchkin army instead of these giants? They knew that the land was occupied. The Lord had already done some things ahead of time for them in defeating certain armies. And so, They came up against this, and they were disappointed by what they saw in front of them. And this is the way it is with the giant of laziness. Fear is built up in our minds about the impossibility of a task that's ahead. Proverbs 26, 13 uh, targets this squarely in regard to sloth. It says, The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Fear. I don't want to go out. There's a lion there. Something might happen to me. I might fail. And so irrational fear keeps us firmly planted in our lazy boy. Like the spies reported, the land devours its inhabitants. If I move forward in this path that the Lord has set before me, it's going to devour my life. Well, that's the point. The point, wants the Lord wants to take over your life to be devoured by the Lord in his purposes. And so the giant killer in this instance is summed up in Romans 12:11. Says, "Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in the spirit, and serve the Lord." In other words, step forward. Make a move. <laughs> and that first step is always the hardest. Ben Hogan was one of the greatest golfers who ever lived in history. And not only could he play the game well, he was also a great instructor. He had a knack for teaching. And in his book about the five fundamentals of the golf swing, he had a particular thing that he wanted you to do first as you address the ball. It was called the waggle. And as you stand there and the ball is on the tee, you're not frozen, locked in place before you swing. You actually start to kind of move the club. We see this in baseball all the time. As you watch pro baseball players, nobody's locked in place in the batter's box. They're swinging, they're moving, they're stepping, they're envisioning that swing. Because motion perpetuates motion. And so we see this in the spiritual life as well. If you just are locked in place, I can't move, you're so fearful of what's gonna happen. You're not gonna get anywhere. Laziness is going to dominate your life. However, you can do a spiritual waggle, which means you kind of take a little step forward. You test the water. You dip your toe in. You take a small movement and see if the Lord begins to open those doors for you. And I think that every one of us has has done this. We have seen something that the Lord wants for us and we're like, man, that looks like a lot of work. (laughs) It's going to take up a lot of energy. I'm going to have to actually probably give up something over here in order to do that. And yet, I would encourage you to let a little momentum begin to happen and see what the Lord does. See how he opens those ways for you. The third and final giant is the giant of feeling good. This giant has a few other names in our culture. Contentment, amusement, living the American dream. John Piper, in his sermon that he preached in Atlanta back uh, some years ago, states that the American culture is slowly emerging from a 350-year deception about Christianity. The predominant view of Christianity since the founding of our country has been positive. Christians have made up the majority of the citizens in the U.S., and most laws are based on the Judeo-Christian value. This makes it popular and comfortable in our country to be a Christian. But things are slowly shifting in our country over the last five to six decades in their perception of Christianity. And that has been on the decline. Laws are being passed that are in direct opposition to the morals that are set forth in Scripture. Christians are losing their businesses for taking a stand on traditional marriage. And this doesn't feel good. This kind of shift causes us to feel uncomfortable. And as Piper points out, any time people begin to have a negative reaction against them, they begin to wonder if something is wrong. If we were being good Christians, wouldn't everybody like us? (laughs) Wouldn't everybody think that we were wonderful? And wanting to feel good and accepted is a huge giant in the land. It keeps some Christians from doing the right thing. It keeps some from speaking out against evil. The danger of losing possessions and property uh, property prevent us from going on up and occupying that which God is giving into our hands. Jesus spoke about the danger of this in one of his parables. He said, The land of a rich man produced plentiful, And he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if the markets will change. We don't know if our health will decline. The giant killer of feeling good is the recognition that this world is not our home. Paul wisely recognized this in Acts 20. He says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was not popular outside the Christian circles. He made a lot of people angry to the point where they tried to kill him on numerous occasions. Has anybody tried to kill you yet for your faith? <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's already in other countries. If you want to see what it means to be a Christian and it doesn't feel good, take a trip to North Korea. Well, you can't get in there, but go to Islam countries. Go to Turkey. There's places around the world where it is not popular to be a Christian right now. And to stand up and say that you are a Christian would be met with great opposition to the point of threatening your own life. In conclusion this morning, remember my friend Tony The Lord took care of that giant that was standing in his way. And Tony didn't freak out. He didn't go off the deep end. He stood firm and trusted that the Lord wanted him back on the streets, and nothing in the world was going to prevent that. Nothing was going to prevent him from going on up and occupying the land that the Lord was calling him to. Are there giants that are blocking you from entering your promised land this morning? If so, I would encourage you to listen to the words of Caleb as he spoke to the people upon their return from the scouting trip. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are the one who clears the way for us. You have called us into certain things, Lord, and we need your help. We need you to do that work. And it's for you anyways that we are doing it, Lord. And so help us to overcome these things, these giants in the land, busyness, filling our lives up with so much, laziness, just relaxing, not wanting to do the hard thing, and uh, the feeling good, Lord. This is a big one for us. And so, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.